This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Karen Albright, Nurse Administrator at Riva Road Surgical Center in Annapolis, Maryland. Karen, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I can't thank you enough for inviting me. Now, before we dive into the questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. My name is Karen Albright. I graduated from University of Maryland Nursing School about 30 years ago. Worked in the hospital. I was a traveling nurse and uh, slid into the ASC setting probably 20 years ago and was invited to participate in the developing of Riva Road Surgical Center in 2007. We are a multi specialty surgical center under the Surge Center Development umbrella. And we were the first in the state of Maryland under this particular umbrella. So it was interesting to see how this would fly in our state, and it was such a successful endeavor that we had 36 right here in the state of Maryland within the first 12 or 14 years. So we do spine, orthopedics, general surgery, uh, total joints, uh, total joint replacement surgery, ophthalmology, podiatry, and pain management. We have 16 owner-operators and complete approximately 600 cases per month in our two OR and one procedure room uh, center here in Annapolis. Fascinating. I didn't realize that uh, your center was the first surge center one in Maryland. Um, that's, you know, really great to hear that you were such a success there and, you know, then we're able to replicate that, you know, within the larger companies. So um, really great to hear. Now, when you think about some of the trends in healthcare, what are the top three things that you're following or, or thinking about right now? Well, I think there's so many, but top three, I'd say, um, number one and first and foremost in my world is that as much as feasibly possible has transitioned to the outpatient arena from the um, in-house surgical centers or um, operating rooms. I started scrubbing total joint replacement surgeries back in 1994, and I remember we brought the patients in the night before surgery, and we had built a complete total joint camp program where they would get their surgery the next day when they woke up, and then they'd have a caregiver take a whole week of work off and stay with them in the hospital, and they would march down to the hall and have lunch with their fellow total joint recipients, and it was a week-long program. So we would literally operate on Monday and Tuesday, and by Thursday, Friday, the patients would be discharged to home, and they technically closed that unit on the weekends, and then we started the camp again on Monday. And here we are, when did I say that was to um, 1994? Here we are almost 15, 20 years later, and... Patients are coming in in the morning to our outpatient surgical center, having their total hip replaced or their total knee replacement surgery. We have a lovely set of stairs here. We have physical therapy that comes to the bedside. It's about 30 minutes of work with them up and down the steps, make sure they're comfortable and competent and confident to go home and that their caregiver is given all the proper information. And they're gone within hours instead of a week. I found that to be the most fascinating, amazing thing I could ever, ever imagine to see in my career because total joint replacement surgery is a pretty big procedure. And to me, it's just 
fascinating. The second trend I would say would be um, complex spine. We are doing extremely, I mean, not extremely, but high-level complex spine cases in two, three-level fusions right here in the outpatient center. We have a 3D navigation system right here at our little center, which used to be high-dollar, multi-million-dollar equipment that only something like a hospital could afford. But the partnerships that are built now between the centers and the vendors make it more feasible to do more and more in the outpatient arena. The third thing I would say coming to the outpatient world would be cardiovascular surgery and um, lots of, uh, certainly we're not doing open heart surgery in the outpatient arena to date, but everything leading up to is really moving. Anything that doesn't require an overnight stay or anything that a patient can have completed um, in a safe manner in the outpatient arena is better suited for the outpatient arena because it's, to, to my perspective, a safer environment, um, the healthier population of patients that come to our center. If you're sick, you go to the hospital. But these patients aren't sick. They just need surgery. So often we can um, avoid any risk, uh, uh, reduce their risk, if you will, by having a procedure done in an outpatient center. There's no garage you park in, you pull right up front, your caregiver can come right in, escort you right out. It's a much um, simpler operation, if you will. The same nurse that called you to do your pre-op call and get your inter interview ahead of time is the same nurse that you'll see when you come in. And there's a continuity of care that gives great comfort to patients, I believe. So I'd say of the three major trends, those would be the three that I see moving to the outpatient world. It's so fascinating to hear, you know, kind of the trajectory of, especially as you mentioned, total joints being such big procedures, uh, you know, in 1994 and now being in a place where patients are going home, you know, within hours. Um, when you think about that transition, and especially for patients, is it hard for them to grasp that this is an outpatient procedure or, or nowadays are you know patients expecting that more or less? That is an excellent question and I'd say that when we first started transitioning to the outpatient center and now under the surge center development umbrella we have done tens of thousands and it is commonplace now however when we first initiated the idea the concept I think was was what we had to get over the hurdle of, oh, my goodness, I can't possibly, I can't possibly. Yes, you can, and it is a very comfortable experience for patients rather than it being a more terrifying endeavor for them to take on. So I think once you get past the, the, um, the patient's concern, and when we started doing anterior cervical disc fusion, for example, which is a spine up in the up in the neck area, the anesthesiologist anesthesia group was con had questioned, "Wow, we're going to do that outpatient. We've never done that outpatient, but until you do one, you don't realize how easy it is to do them outpatient and how much better it is for the patient. We are completely 
this have all of the same emergency and backup equipment and certifications. We are AAAHC certified. The state comes through. The fire marshal comes through. The life safety plan. We have all the emergency interventions that every hospital would have, and it's it, which makes it a very safe place to have your procedure as well as a comfortable place to have your procedure. Got it. That's really fascinating to hear and so interesting, you know, in being able to um, convince the patients as well as initially the anesthesiologists that this is safe to do. Now, I'm wondering one more question along these lines. Um, when you think about, you know, uh, making these happen, obviously the technology's there, the surgeons are able to perform the procedures, but from the um, insurance coverage perspective, you know, were there any roadblocks or hurdles that you run into doing some of the more complex cases, even if, you know, they have been safe in the surgery center in the past or, or other centers have been doing them safely, um, being able to just get coverage there? Definitely. And that's an excellent, excellent question. So when we first started, obviously, um, Cases are, are much easier to um, authenticate and pre-authorize if they are already on the Medicare fee schedule. Now, lots of our reimbursement is driven by the Medicare fee schedule, and many of your commercial contract payers and your reimbursement schedules are built as a percentage of Medicare's allowable. For example, perhaps your United Healthcare contract would say, we're going to give you 105% of Medicare is allowable, or in some cases, 98% of Medicare is allowable, or whatever is negotiated per commercial carrier. And until it reaches the Medicare fee schedule, it's kind of the wild, wild west. So, for example, total hips came onto the Medicare fee schedule last year, and you could then do total hips in the outpatient arena without concern of of uh, reimbursement. Total knees, on the other hand, weren't entered onto the Medicare fee schedule until this year in January. So having completed many of them prior to, we could only do commercial carriers and we could only, we had to focus on the patients with the insurance plans that agreed to cover them in an outpatient center. And now, as of January 2021, both hips and knees are completely encouraged in the outpatient center via the Medicare fee schedule. So a lot of it is insurance-driven and uh, physician-driven. If the physician is comfortable with the team in place and the equipment and the center itself and the patient's comorbidities, obviously you want to take your higher complex cases to the hospital in case you need a backup, or someone who is young and healthy, just has a bum knee, is a perfect candidate for our setting. So I think a lot of it has to do with how reimbursement structures are built around the Medicare fee schedule. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Now, when you we look ahead into the future, what do you see as being the best opportunity for growth at your center over the next year or two? Here at my center in particular, I think that bringing um, youthful providers in, a uh, fair amount of our docs um, were seasoned when they came 
when they when we built Reva Road Surgical Center. So we have to operationalize and weigh the exit strategies of our older physician partners with the incoming youth and making sure that we maintain long-term success of, of the center by ensuring that we have providers with like minds. When I say like minds, I mean it. the younger population of physicians coming out of school are trained to do um, total joints and spine surgery and a lot of very high complex cases in the outpatient arena where we had to rearrange the mindset of the older physicians who originally were doing all of their complex cases in the hospital and say, it's okay, just because you always did what you always, you know, what you've always done, it doesn't mean you have to continue. You can be a trendsetter and you can move to the outpatient arena as many, many, many procedures are under the fee schedules now. So I think the longevity of the center and long-term goals and planning are very important when you're when you're considering the outpatient arena. Got it. That that really makes a lot of sense, and it's kind of an interesting challenge, I'm sure, to balance the needs and expertise of um, of, of surgeons on both ends of the spectrum. Whether it's those who have had long careers and you know are, are looking ahead to um, potential retirement in the next few years, and then those who are just starting off and have a lot of big ideas for where they want things to go, you know, throughout the trajectory of their um, their career. Exactly. We want to embrace the the excitement of the youthful providers while also making sure that our existing providers stay comfortable and confident in what we're doing, that what we're doing is safe and completely appropriate for an outpatient setting. Got it. Got it. Well, you know, I can imagine that's definitely at times a balancing act. So, um, you know, something that as an administrator, nurse administrator at this center, you know, definitely um, takes a lot of care on your end. <laughs> yes. And making sure that we have appropriately vetted all of the patients and the providers and the staff that we've got appropriate people here in the outpatient remembering that we are a standalone facility, so you really don't want to stack your deck with 90% new grad nurses who maybe could use some support in the event of an emergency. So you want to make sure that your team is balanced, that your providers are solid, that your anesthesia is completely on board with your processes and what you're doing because safety of the people in the community is absolutely paramount and extraordinarily important in the outpatient setting simply because we're here. You don't ring a bell and 16 people come running to help. It's us. (laughs) The bell is Karen. (laughs) (laughs) So we make sure that we hire really strong, really competent nurses with solid backgrounds and that the physician partners are comfortable and one piece of the puzzle that often gets overlooked is the anesthesia team. We really, really have to work with the anesthesiologist to make sure that everything 
that we invite to our outpatient center, they're comfortable providing care to as well. That makes a ton of sense. Um, now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just wanted to ask you, what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous? Hmm. Most excited? I am most excited about the fact that we can provide this outstanding quality clinical care to the people in this community and that we lead with solid clinical judgment and we don't necessarily lead with the money. And that is a kind of often a unique perspective in healthcare today. But I believe very strongly that you lead with quality care and the money follows suit. But if you try to lead with the money, it's very hard to get the clinical care to reach to reach optimal optimal um, care. What am I the most nervous about right now? I would say our staffing crisis. It seems like in the um, post-COVID, a lot of people spent some time reevaluating what they their priorities, and work did not necessarily come to the top of the list of everyone's priority list. People found that um, time home with their families was more important. So I found um, we literally had six or eight nurses cut from full-time to part-time simply because they spent some time reprioritizing or they need to stay home with young children or they need to stay home at this point with grandchildren or any of the many reasons that people opt to decrease their number of hours at work and increase their number of hours at home. As part of a large network, I can see that this crisis is not just here regionally. It's not just in the state of Maryland, but it literally is all across the country. So I want to make sure that we have good quality care providers, and that becomes harder and harder to find. You certainly don't want to staff your center with a whole bunch of, you know, brand new people that maybe aren't competent to handle anything that comes along because we need to handle everything that comes along. Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. You're welcome. Thank you again for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure and an honor to participate.